And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right. NPR finally admitted that I was right. Took the months, but they finally admitted that I was right. So NPR has finally issued a correction and retracted a false statement about the U.S. intelligence discrediting the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, here's the thing. This thing was authenticated last year, a long time ago, before the election. And they only just issued a correction. After all this time, NPR issued a correction to a book review that it published about Hunter Biden's memoir after claiming U.S. intelligence officials had discredited the story of the contents found on Biden's laptop, which, of course, never happened. NPR's book review of Beautiful Things, a memoir, details Biden's drug and alcohol problems, his relationship with Burisma Holdings, and accusations from former President Donald Trump and attorney Rudolph Giuliani about said relationship. So, again... Um, they, they've had to issue that correction. I don't need to go into great details. I'm just pointing out, you know, just like when we started the show yesterday, they have no shame when they get caught lying to people, when they get caught making huge mistakes and they don't own up to it. And they continue to go out there and say those things on a perpetual basis. And they're not embarrassed by it. Nobody pays a, a price for it. There's no political price. There's no professional price. There's no personal price, nothing. Because that's what that side of the aisle does. NPR, after all this time, after all this time, well over half a year. I mean, we're approaching, we're approaching a year at this point. They finally issued a correction after all that time. And they're not, they're not embarrassed. Their supporters are not embarrassed. Nobody's embarrassed. They, they won't take any, any serious damage from it. And that's the thing that's so frustrating about all of this is that, you know, None of this, none of this should in any way go, well, they shouldn't be able to escape it, I should say, because we already know who they are, what they do on a regular basis. They're going to go ahead and make things up for a political narrative. There was never any actual report that came out about intelligence, the intelligence community saying that. There was a letter from former intelligence community members who lied and in that letter admitted that they had no idea what was actually going on. And that was lied about by members of the press. But there was no actual assessment from the intelligence community that that laptop was not his and that the contents of the laptop had been debunked. Never happened. It was something that was literally made up out of thin air. They have no shame. Clarence Thomas is getting a little irritated. Justice Thomas, he could out a lot lately and... Generally speaking, Supreme Court justices don't do that. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did it more than, than I think probably any other one. Um, but she still tried to be diplomatic in the way that she went about most of those things. But generally speaking, Supreme Court justices don't really air their dirty laundry. And Clarence Thomas has made it extremely clear, extremely clear, that we should have, the Supreme Court should have taken the Texas case. He's continued to make a bunch of other statements about other cases that the Supreme Court has refused to take. And now he is out in the front of this thing basically saying, 
it is, you know, it's the job of the Supreme Court. We have got to take on social media censorship of conservatives. We have to. And here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff in here that he says that I have pointed out to many of you in the past. Because this is... When you have a public accommodation argument when it comes to a whole host of things, right? So you have a public accommodation for, oh, I don't know, a baker. You know, in that bakery, that bakery is one of those places where you have, you can't deny service is what they were claiming, right? You can't deny service because your business is open and you have to accept all business. Now, it violates a whole bunch of tenants, but I, I digress. But that was their whole thing. If you're open to the public, you have to be open to everybody in the public, right? Now, the left doesn't actually believe that because they believe a lot of people who are out in the public realm should be denied service. They just want everybody on their side to be able to get service. And Clarence Thomas has kind of made the case for public accommodations. I have in the past. Others have in the past as well. If the Internet is basically a public space, then you can't deny its usage, just like any business is being argued in the United States right now, can't deny service to somebody based on what they believe. So even if digital platforms are not close enough to common carriers, legislature, legislators might still be able to treat digital platforms like places of public accommodation. It's a very interesting theory. Again, one you've heard on this show before. Although definitions between jurisdictions vary, a company ordinarily is a place of public accommodation if it provides lodging, food, entertainment, or other services to the public in general. Now, that's what Thomas wrote. Twitter and other digital platforms bear resemblance to that definition. Certainly, it's entertainment. In simple terms, the public accommodation offers goods and services to the general public. Thomas then directly hinted that legislators would then have the legal authority to prevent social media platforms from effectively censoring speech by comparing these companies to common carrier and public accommodations. Quote, the similarities between some digital platforms and the common carriers or places of public accommodation may give legislators strong arguments for similarly regulating digital platforms. It sends it stands to reason that if Congress may demand that telephone companies operate as common carriers, it can ask the same of digital platforms, he wrote. Now, this argument um, also gets very interesting when you start looking at net neutrality, especially since net neutrality basically makes the Internet a utility so the government can regulate it. Well, at that point, I, that would even strengthen the case that you can't allow censorship on your platforms. And I am not advocating that um, they be given that net neutrality come back in order to go ahead and do this. I'm not advocating that at all. Section 230. Uh, Section 230 obviously needs to be gotten away with. Uh, I'm sorry, anybody on the political right who says that Section 230 is not the problem doesn't know anything about Section 230. I'm convinced of it. And I have watched many very intelligent people who ordinarily are really bright on conservative issues completely mangle what Section 230 actually is and completely misapply how it is used in the legal framework of this country to protect social media companies. And it is very frustrating to watch that because, you're, again, you're dealing with influential, very bright, prominent people who are voices on the right completely get this thing wrong. And what that does is, you know, there are people out there who are acolytes of people 
And if you follow one of those individuals and you believe everything that individual says until they're, you know, until they apologize for getting something wrong, you're going to then go out there and go, well, Section 230 doesn't do these things. Yes, it does. That's the problem. I don't need to get into Section 230. But the point is that Justice Thomas is being very vocal as of late. It is clear that he is frustrated with the way the Supreme Court is conducting itself. And it's clear that he is trying to publicly steer the direction of the court to at least hear cases. And he's not, you know, he's obviously going to try and influence the uh, the verdict when, when these cases actually come before the court. But he is clearly trying to steer the court to take some of these cases. And he has made it very clear that the Supreme Court needs to be in on the censorship battle with tech giants. It is, a, and honestly, that's pretty much the only way that this thing is going to get solved. You know, the one piece of legislation that was introduced, which, by the way, uh, when Republicans had control, okay, it was introduced. Republicans in the House did not bring it forward. Very simple piece of legislation, fixed Section 230, made it extremely easy to follow. Basically, what it did is it said, if you, if you post something that is illegal or advocates for illegal activities, it can be removed. Nothing else can be removed. Made it real cut and dry. And that could include all sorts of offensive content. And again, a lot of people didn't like that. Um, but, you know, the Republicans didn't hear it. Now, Republicans have been terrible on the Internet for a very long time. You've heard me talk about this for a long time. Democrats just want to censor the heck out of it because this is the one of the last bastions. There's really two bastions for free speech for conservatives. The Internet, talk radio. And what does the left constantly try to do? Tries to shut down conservative voices on both of them. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I want to tell you about this amazing service at Z-Bart of South Bend that I have had done to both of my vehicles. I would have had it done to the motorcycle, but the motorcycle is flat black and ceramic Z-Gloss is not great for flat black paint because it'll make it glossy. Ceramic Z-Gloss paint coating is one of the signature services that is offered by Z-Bart of South Bend. We're not talking about going to the auto parts store and picking up a stupid little spray bottle and, and putting a ceramic coating on your vehicle that you have to apply every week that doesn't really hold up. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a full paint protection process where the ceramic coating that's going to be on your vehicle will make your vehicle shinier and brighter and wetter looking than your factory paint. And on top of that, the ceramic coating that is going to go on your, your vehicle is much more resilient and tougher than the clear coat of your vehicle. So you're now going to be better able to resist impacts, scratches, the UV, acid rain. Uh, it's also hydrophobic, which means water and dust and things like that are, are going to come off of your vehicle much easier. It's not going to stick. You don't have to scrub. Much easier to clean your vehicle. It has a seven-year warranty without needing any touch-ups. You don't need to wax or polish your vehicle for at least seven years. <clears throat> Excuse me, seven years of ceramic Z-Gloss paint coating. This is a phenomenal service. We have been thrilled to have this on our van. I have it on my new vehicle. Absolutely love it. it the car always looks amazing, even when it's dirty. And when it does get dirty, quick little wash-off, boom. Just like that, the vehicle looks brand new. Go to Z-Bart of South Bend, talk to them about ceramic Z-Gloss paint coating, 
and let them know that I sent you. If you've got a high-end vehicle or a luxury vehicle, maybe a sports car or something like that, you definitely want ceramic Z-gloss paint coating to protect your beautiful paint. Replacing your paint, not cheap. Ceramic Z-gloss paint coating, much more affordable and will maintain the vehicle's paint for an extended period of time. You will not regret it. Z-Bart of South Bend, let them know that I sent you. All right, what else do we have here? <clears throat> okay, let's take a look at some of the, the news of the stupid, shall we? All right, so we've got Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, once again, um, decided to go woke on everybody. I know that. We touched on it a little bit yesterday, but they did relocate the All-Star game. And, of course, it's going to a state with voter ID laws and fewer early voting days than Georgia will have under its new Georgia law. Now, keep in mind, this was all to protest Georgia's new election law, which Biden and Democrats and the news media have been straight up lying to you about. Wherever you subscribe to my podcast, go listen. I just posted a podcast up there. Everything the Democrats are saying about this law is a lie. I posted that yesterday. Go listen to that and listen to some of the other podcasts around it where we touch on this subject as well. Major League Baseball's All-Star Game will be played in Denver following its removal from Atlanta in protest of Georgia's new restrictive voting law, according to multiple sources with ESPN. The annual Midsummer Classic had been set for July 13th at Truist Park, home of the Atlanta Braves, in addition to other activities connected to the game, including the annual draft. Now, keep in mind, the county is going to lose about $100 million. So tremendously damaging for a county that voted for Biden. Okay? Now, again, Colorado, Colorado <laughs> is much more restrictive in their voting laws than the new Georgia law is. So if you're protesting Georgia becoming too, too Jim Crow-y, right? But you go to a place that has more restrictive voting laws than Georgia does, you're kind of defeating the point, right? Oh, unless you're virtue signaling and this doesn't have anything to do with substance at all. Exactly. We went over this with Schumer yesterday because New York, much more difficult for somebody to vote in New York than it is for somebody to vote in Georgia. And yet Schumer is like, oh, this is a racist law in Georgia. Yeah, well, then I guess New York is super racist, right? Colorado requires voter ID to vote in person, either a driver's license, an IRS-issued ID card, a valid passport, or a valid employee card with a photo. Now, this is one of the chief complaints from Major League Baseball about why they didn't want to be in Georgia anymore for the All-Star game in order to protest the Georgia law. Is that, well, it requires voter ID, and voter ID is racist. Only white people and race hustlers believe voter ID is racist. Nobody else does. The polls on this have been consistent forever, okay? Black America is not opposed to voter ID laws. Nobody is opposed to voter ID laws except for well-off white liberals who really want to get some extra, extra points in the woke Olympics by running around and saying, yeah, it's totally racist for them to have an ID because they're like too stupid to get an ID and stuff, you know, because they're black, which is exactly what they're saying. Let's not... I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore. Racist, well-off, white liberals do not believe that black Americans know how to get a driver's license or a voter ID, and they do not believe that they have vehicles or a way to get to their polling place to vote. 
which is an horrendous racist lie. You've got three major airlines who condemn the voter ID law in Georgia. Every single one of them requires you to show your ID before you get on the plane. Every single one of them. Every one. Wait, what, why, why, why would you oppose voter ID if you won't even let anybody on your plane? Right? Because it's virtue signaling. It's like the Democrats at every one of their events or the unions. God forbid the unions have an event. See, the unions and the Democratic Party routinely fight against voter ID laws, yet they always require you to show your ID to attend one of their events. Every time. Been highlighting this for my entire career. Isn't that interesting? Wonder wonder why that is. Seems a little seems a little strange. Seems a little weird that they would do that. So I've got a couple of things with Jen Psaki, and she got caught point blank because Biden, once again, lying about the Georgia law. And so Peter Ducey from Fox cornered her on it, and she lied through her teeth again. Shocker. That's coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. I want to thank R&B Car Company. First of all, we'll dive into this, this audio here from Jen Saki, who makes a fool of herself every day that she does it. She's so terrible at being the uh, press secretary. She's not good at it at all. She's good at making music, though. That Circle Back Saki song is real good. Uh, but I want to thank R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend and Warsaw. If you're looking for a used vehicle, please visit them online at rbcarcompany.com and then visit their showroom in either South Bend or Warsaw and let them know that I sent you. So I'm going to play some audio here. Uh, send it to Joe here just a minute ago. This is Peter Ducey over at Fox, and he's pointing out that Biden's claims about the Georgia voting law were fact-checked, and they're wrong. Biden is straight-up lying, as everybody else is, about the Georgia voting law. And so he asked Jen Psaki about it. Well, given that this has been fact-checked and none of this is true, is Biden going to be changing the way that he talks about this bill? And just watch her dance. Well, listen to her dance around this and just not answer the question. And then the answer that she does give, which is a non-answer, is also false. Everything the Democrats and the media are saying about the Georgia voting law is a lie. We've been over this already several times. And I know that I'm doing this way less than a lot of other people. So there's other folks that have gone into far more detail about this than I have. I picked some of the most absurd things about this, but others have actually broken this entire thing down. This is not a very difficult law to understand. It's well-written, very easy, very common sense. It's common sense election reform is what it is. But I want you to listen to this exchange. It's only about a minute and a half, but it's so telling. And it goes right back to what I started the show with yesterday. They have no shame. Roll it, Joe. And then just one more quick one on Georgia to put a bow on it. Um, is the president going to change the way that he talks about the new Georgia voting law? Because uh, in that interview that you referenced, he said the law would end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off. And he said it would end voting hours early so working people can't cast their vote after their shift is over. But the Washington Post 
gave that claim for Pinocchio's because that part of the law gives counties the option to extend voting hours. And so I'm just curious if the president is going to change the way that he's talking. Well, fundamentally, the president doesn't believe it should be made harder to vote. He believes it should be easier. Uh, and this bill makes it harder to request and return an absentee ballot. It collapses the length of Georgia's runoff election, making it harder for large jurisdictions to offer early voting. It imposes rigid new restrictions on local officials' ability to set polling hours to suit the needs of voters in their county. Those are all pieces of the bill. So his uh, view is that we need to make it easier and not harder to vote, and that will continue to be what he advocates for. But the thing he said has been determined by election law experts to be not true. So I'm just curious if he's going to stop saying that. Well, again, I think we can, uh, the fact checkers will also tell you that uh, this bill does not make it easier for people across the state of Georgia to vote, and that's where he has concerns. Okay. Um, she's wrong on that too. But, you know, this has happened several times now where she has been confronted with the fact that Joe Biden lied about something and that it was fact-checking. He's like, well, is he going to change? Is he going to correct that? Is he going to change the way he's talking about it? Because, you know, the last time this came up, you know, Ducey was like, hey, he keeps repeating this lie about how many people COVID has killed. That has killed more people than the world wars and Vietnam combined and all that other stuff. None of that's true. It never has been true, by the way. And it's been repeatedly fact-checked. He's been saying it for months. And so Ducey and even some others are like, hey, is he going to stop saying that thing? Because it's completely not accurate. Her response, and what I found so interesting about that, her response when she was confronted that, hey, Biden keeps repeating this lie, that has been debunked several times already. Why is he continuing to lie about this? And she said, if that's a really important issue for you, then I guess you can focus on that, but it's it's really not all that important. And I've, I've watched liberal websites who post this like, yeah, go get him, Just bat him away, swat him away. You, no, Biden has repeated a lie. It's been fact-checked. It's not accurate. It's not true. He's been told it's not true. And he continues to say it. Keep in mind, Biden is a perpetual serial liar. He has been his entire career. And the left's response to that is, it's not important that he's lying about that. Therefore, it's not important at all. A little lie. It's not a little lie. It's kind of the whole point of his COVID strategy, but I, I digress. So... Even in her response, where she said the Georgia law makes it more difficult for people to vote. And that's really what, what Biden's complaint is. Except it doesn't. It actually makes it a lot easier for a good chunk of the population to vote. But it just ramps up verification of who you are. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki responded to questions from reporters on Monday about Georgia's new election security law, including the debunked for Pinocchio claim made by Biden that the bill restricted the ability of local officials to set polling hours. That's actually not true. It actually improved their ability to set polling hours. So she went right back. She goes, see, it does this. No, it doesn't. It does the exact opposite. Places that used to have to close down at five now can be open until later. Saki, apparently a fan of the movie, uh, entered her own submission to earn some Pinocchios and doubled down on the false claim. Quote, 
is the president going to change the way that he talks about the new Georgia voting law? Now, again, that's that's um, uh, uh, Peter Ducey. Because, and he, he references that. Well, fundamentally, the president doesn't believe that it should be made harder to vote. He believes it should be easier, Saki said. And this bill makes it harder to request and return an absentee ballot. It collapses the length of voter runoff, uh, Georgia runoff elections, and it makes it harder for large jurisdictions to offer early voting. She also goes on to say it imposes rigid new restrictions on local officials' ability to set polling hours to suit the needs of voters in their county. That is not true. That's inaccurate. In an analysis of the bill, Stephen Fowler of Georgia Public Broadcasting wrote, one of the biggest changes in the bill would expand early voting access for most counties, adding an additional mandatory Saturday and formerly codifying Sunday voting hours as optional. Counties can have early voting open as long as 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at a minimum. Not a maximum, a minimum. But when you live in a world in which the answer to a math problem is however you feel that day, I suppose it's easy to confuse minimum and maximum. If you live, Fowler said, if you live in a larger metropolitan county, you might not notice a change. For most other counties, you will have an extra weekend day and your weekday early voting hours will likely be longer. So you get an extra day on the weekend to vote, and you get longer hours to vote. It doesn't make it more difficult. It doesn't restrict hours. That is a debunked lie. It was debunked the day after the first story was written about it. Charles Stewart III is an election expert at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. He told the Washington Post, I had also heard this generally reported as expanding early voting, So I'm surprised by the characterization. No. Uh, According to the Washington Post, Stewart, Charles Stewart III from MIT, studied the precise language changes at our request. So Washington Post said, hey, could you, election expert at MIT, can you analyze this bill and tell us what you think? And he said it indicated an expansion of hours, especially in rural counties. I think that's the problem. See, the problem isn't that it made it easier to vote. The problem isn't that it added an extra weekend day for you to be able to vote in Georgia. The problem isn't that it expanded hours for you to be able to vote in Georgia. No, the problem is it leveled the playing field for rural counties. Urban counties, higher Democratic population. Rural counties in Georgia more Republican. That's their problem with the bill. It removes some things that they've been doing with fraud, but also it allows rural counties some extra benefits that everybody gets. But we're always a negative for rural counties and only rural counties. Lots of voting centers in urban areas, not a lot of voting centers in, in, in rural areas. That's the crux of it right there they're ticked off that red districts will now have a better ability to show up to the polls they will have the same ability almost the same ability as urban areas that is the entire issue with this thing so you've got experts all over the country 
telling you that what the Democrats and what the media allies of the Democrats are saying about this are not true. And you just have them even coming out of the White House. Lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So I got asked a question yesterday on the live stream. And obviously, we've talked about Nutrition HQ for a long time. I've just cycled back on Virilitat. And somebody said, hey, Casey, so what is it actually that you take from Nutrition HQ? You know, what's your stack that you're taking right now? And right now, my stack is really light. You know, it tore my shoulder a few months back. I'm just getting back in the gym, but I've got to go really light with it just because of that. So I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not even using pre-workout right now. So here's, here's what I have. I've got protein. Got a couple of different proteins from Nutrition HQ. I've been telling you for years, they have the best tasting protein, period, end of story. If you go to the grocery store and you buy protein, stop. First of all, most of that is junk and low quality. Most of it doesn't taste good. Most of it doesn't even dissolve into the water or the milk that you're stirring it with. Just don't do it anymore. Go to Nutrition HQ, get yourself a real protein. Many cases, they can actually open one up and you can actually sample it there. Not for everything, but they have a lot of that stuff available for you to try it before you even buy it. You don't want to get home, have a protein that tastes disgusting and you'll never consume it. I also take Virilitat. Like I said, I'm cycling back on Virilitat right now. Men, this helps boost your natural testosterone levels. So your vitality, your energy, your ability to maintain your muscle mass and build new muscle mass is better. Uh, the ability to burn fat is more efficient. It's just a great, it's the foundation of your your program if you're over 35 years old. It's a fantastic product. Absolutely love it. And the other thing, I do TB16 a couple of times a week, right? Just depending on, on how I'm feeling. But I take a multivitamin, including a multivitamin that has D3 and zinc and magnesium and all of that stuff. It's all there at Nutrition HQ. 5804 Grape Road in Mishawaka. They've got a whole women's section also, ladies. And again, um, use my promo code. Uh, to go ahead and get yourself 10% off. Got more coming up.